Welcome to Emotional Savvy, the Relationship Help Show. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. If you're ready to increase your confidence in conversations and conflict, deepen your self-awareness, expand your connectedness, and enrich your relationship with yourself and other humans you care about, and even those you wish you didn't, you're in the right place. Enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome to this episode. So glad that you're here. And I really mean that. You know, I say that at the beginning of every show, but I really am glad that you're here because it means that you are looking to improve the quality of your relationships, whether that relationship is with yourself or it's with a significant other, with a parent, a coworker, a friend, whomever it is, you're being proactive. You're taking a step to be able to do it better to understand better what's going on. And that's a very powerful thing to do for yourself. So I really am glad that you're here. And in today's show, we're going to have something we've never had before. We're going to talk about a practice that I've been doing since I was 19 years old. And that's quite a long time. It was before it was popular, before anybody was talking about it in the West. And uh, one of the things that you need to know before you listen to this interview is that there are several different distinctions that we need to make. And when we're looking at something, we've all had the feeling of being judged, right? We we almost think that when we look at the eyes of someone else, they're judging us. And sometimes we're right, sometimes we're not right, sometimes we're paranoid, of course. But the fact is that we've all had the experience of feeling judged. We've all heard judgment come out of our mouths. And many times I'll be talking with a friend or a colleague or someone and they'll say, oh, that's terrible. I'm being judgmental. And, you know, sometimes, yes, that's true. But sometimes I have to help them discern the difference between a judgment and an observation. To be able to say that I observe this behavior and you describe the behavior is not a judgment. It is a description. It is saying, I see this. I'm, of course, you may be wrong, but you're saying, I see this. You are not extrapolating to the point of saying, and now I think this person is a blah, 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 blah. And so there is a difference. We make observations that are what we can take in through our senses, what we see, hear, taste, touch, and smell not when it engages with our mind, refers to all the experiences we've ever had in our entire life, and then decides that this person is a whatever. And that's the difference. So I just want to talk to you for a moment about being discerning. And discerning means that you know what your value system is, you know what you care about, you know where you focus, you know what your vision for your life is, You know what your beliefs are, and you know, too, what are your next best steps, your challenges, your goals, your purpose, your mission. And no matter who you are, you don't have to have some huge mission to cure cancer in the next 10 years. Um, It can just be that you're going to be the most attentive and conscious parent, 
Uh, it could be that you're going to be living from your values and you're going to have a system to uh, monitor that. That may be the biz- biggest gift you give to the world, and it's a wonderful one, but you need to be discerning. You need to know what's for you at this time in your life and what isn't. You know, one of the things that happens is we want it all at once because we can get excited about so many things. And yet there isn't enough time if we want to keep our values in place to do everything at the same time. I often uh, used to say there was a book that was popular about 25 years ago, and it was called You Can Have It All. And it was by Arnold Patton. And people would say, oh, that's a wonderful book. I can have it all. And I would say, yes, you can have most things in your life. You just can't have them all at once. So, you know, don't be trying to do that. If you're raising children, that's not the best time, perhaps, to be deciding you're going to uh, Mount Kilimanjaro and go away from the family for six months. Um, You can do all of these things. You just can't do them all at once. And the same thing is true in our relationships. We have to focus on the good. We have to focus on what we would like to move forward with. We have to focus on uh, what people are doing right and what we're doing right because some people have a tendency to beat themselves up and they're not very discerning about themselves. They get into some kind of loop about, I don't do that very well and, oh, I'm not a good person, you know, all of that. And then we're if we have a difficult person in our life, particularly a difficult parent or a difficult partner, you know, those folks I call hijackles, they'll be happy to tell you everything that's wrong with you. And don't be believing them because remember, everything that they tell you is wrong with you is what they're afraid is wrong with them. And that's what we call projection. So be discerning. Don't let other people take your peace. Don't give other people real estate in your head. Be discerning about what you allow into you. You know, many people will obsess on a wrong somebody's done to them. That's allowing them to take up real estate in your head. Um, When people talk about forgiveness, I think of that as something you do for yourself, a good thing to do for yourself, because you don't want to be giving away that valuable real estate in your head and your heart. And when you forgive them, that can be gone. You know, yes, it may be a memory of what happened, but you won't have the emotional attachment to it. And therefore, you have been able to reclaim that real estate. So we want to know how to be responsive to life without being reactive to life. And those are two very important distinctions. We know that so many people say that the responsibility is the ability to respond. And it is, but be the ability to respond wisely and from your values. When you're reactive, everybody else has power over you because you will blow up or you will get angry or you will be upset Uh, by something somebody does, and so they can do it, and you will be upset, and this will be a cycle. That's not very discerning. You want to um, not have those triggers, 
and you want to be able to monitor yourself so that you are responsive to life rather than reactive to life. So just a few clues to introduce today's guest because we're going to talk about something, as I said, we've never spoken of before, and I'm trying to bring you new and exciting things that you may not have thought about. This one is dear to my heart because I've been doing it since I was 19 years old, and believe me, that's quite a long time. And so today we're going to talk about yoga and not the pretzel making kind. That's Those is, are called asana. Asana is one eighth of the yogic path, which is called Raja Yoga. So uh, yoga in, it has a part in every area of our life. It's our breathing, it's our meditation, it's our focus. Yes, it's our exercise. It's so many things. And so today's guest, Shanti Yogini, she is going to talk with us. It's a very insightful conversation, and I hope that you will enjoy it because yoga can be enjoyed like Buddhism can be. It's a practice. So no matter what your belief system is, you can still engage in yoga. No conflict of interest, believe me. So um, stay tuned. We will be talking soon. If you want to talk with me, remember you find me at forrelationshiphelp.com, F-O-R, relationship, H-E-L-P.com. And also I have a new thing for you. Every Monday evening at 6 o'clock Pacific time, I am doing a live stream on YouTube where you can ask your questions. A live stream, 6 o'clock Pacific time, every Monday. And it starts now. I hope you'll join me. Take good care and enjoy this interview. Hello and welcome to this episode. We're going to have a very interesting departure today because we're going to talk about something and with someone on the subject that is near and dear to my heart and it has been since I was 19 years old. So we haven't talked about this, as I mentioned, and we're going to talk about yoga. That may be something you are familiar with, and if not, you're going to be in the next hour. So I'd like to welcome my guest, Shanti Yogini. Welcome to the show. Hello. Namaste, Dr. Shailar. So happy to be here. Well, namaste to you and Om Namah Shabaya. We're going to have a great conversation, I know, because we both have a deep interest in this. So this will be a departure. Yoga can be a practice. So if anybody's feeling like we're trying to teach you something that will take away from your spiritual path, no, we're not. We're giving you an additional practice that can enhance your spiritual path, whatever that may be. And so we're going to discuss yoga and its practical application to life. Certainly become popular. When I started, there was absolutely no one who knew anything. I was the expert because I had the books. <laughs> it was so long ago. And I had one of the first yoga retreats in Canada that I owned. So that's a little known fact that most of my listeners don't know, but I certainly did that. So uh, we're going to introduce you by using your own words. So let me tell you a little bit about Shanti Yogini. She is a master trainer at Liberate Yoga to Liberate You, an internationally recognized exponent on the ancient science of yoga. 
Her ideal students are spiritual seekers and aspiring leaders willing to liberate yoga from being chained to fitness exercises and to learn spirituality and spiritual leadership through yoga. Shanti offers training for independent two-minute yoga practices. That should be appealing. In order to be liberated from any limitation, physically, mentally, intellectually, and socially. Shanti is a number one international best-selling author and speaker who offers eye-opening presentations on yoga, not just as a solution to life's problems, but as a path to live to one's highest potential. So here's an affirmation from her book, just to get a sense of what she is offering you. She wrote, being in the happiness zone requires smart gatekeeping. I refuse to take in unhappy words or attitudes from people. I develop a gatekeeper mind. And that's so lovely. And it reminds me of what Gandhi said, you know, when, <laughs> when he, he said, I do not allow people to walk through my mind with their dirty feet. <laughs> and and yeah. that, that's important for us because... You know, when we're talking about being emotionally savvy, when we're talking about saving our sanity by not having difficult people in our lives, we really do have to learn not to let people walk through our minds with their dirty feet, don't we? Yes, absolutely, yeah. So what do you think the first thing is to being a gatekeeper? Let's talk about your quote as a beginning point. So in, in our lives... We develop mental states based on what someone else is saying, how someone else is treating us, what someone else is doing. So often we say, oh, he said that and that made me very upset. Or she constantly does that and I always get irritated about it. Or this person did this and that made me happy. So if we observe, our mental state seems to be so much dependent on how someone else is doing, saying, treating, behaving. So we are allowing that other person's actions to affect our mental state. Mm -hmm. So which means, I mean, I could be happy at sometimes only if that person's action or words are pleasing but otherwise, I'm almost at the mercy of the other person. And uh, so that person said something bad and I am disturbed. We say, he ruined my day. So smart gatekeeping means knowing what I should take inside. Because even though the other person did or said something, it's I who am allowing it to enter my mind and disturb me. If I just say, he said that, but that is not something that's uplifting for me. That is not going to make my life greater than what it is now. I refuse to take it. He could have given me a gift, but that gift I don't want. So that is smart gatekeeping. Well, I think that that's very wise, and it's a good way of describing it too, because we have the opportunity of filtering what we want to pay attention to. You know, you've written some books. I've written many, many books. One of them is called What You Pay Attention To Expands. Mm -hmm. So it fits with what we're talking about because 
where am I going to place my energy? On that other person's mood or opinion and let that affect me? Or am I going to place my attention on something, as you said, which is uplifting, something that moves me towards peace or love or joy? And sure, life happens. Not everything is peaceful, loving, and joyful. <laughs> and we do have to deal with things. But our equanimity, our ability to stay calm and level and not be wafted around by the winds of change allows us to feel like we are the one in charge of our own uh, responses to life. And that's what I hear you saying is, you know, this allows us to say, hmm, no thanks. I don't want that energy. <laughs> I, that No, I'm not taking that on. And I think it's very wise energetically to know what's ours and what's somebody else's and, and let there be a boundary like if, we don't, if we don't want that energy to affect us. So what's an effective way for people to do that in your, your practice? So whenever we do that, we are in the reaction mode. So we have to get into the response mode. That means I respond irrespective of what someone is or being. It's not that the words that come out of me is because of what someone else did. Then I'm just reacting. So a way to become that centered person, there are a lot of yoga practices that help. Say as a, a prolonged practice always helps us um, to know, to go deep within ourselves, to connect within ourselves, and to help us always stay in the present, and to have that uh, intellectual uh, discriminative capability to know what I should take in and what I should ignore. Sometimes the other person could be saying something that I may genuinely be doing wrong. Like maybe I'm an arrogant person, and that person is pointing out. So I should know, like, who oh, could there be some truth in it? If so, well, I need more introspection. But if the person is saying just to get out, get that anger out of their mind and it's not true, then I should know that, well, I don't need to take it in. So in order to develop that, of course, the first thing is to develop awareness because we have to first become aware, hey, this is what is happening right now. Or I am trying to get into that reaction mode. I feel like I do want to scream back. But then, no, no, that's not, that's not good for me because that's a waste of energy that's going to disturb my mind even though I am screaming at the other person. But I am also you know, generating that energy. So to be able to recognize that, awareness is the key. It's the first step. And so, of course, a lot of yoga practices help. But as a band-aid, when something is happening and you want to quickly come to the center, then something as simple as, affirming to oneself. So I often use this affirmation. So if I'm really angry, upset, um, and I need to just come back quickly and not allow the anger to take over and make me behave in a, in a, in a way that I would regret about my behavior later. So the affirmation I use is something like, I am calm, I am poised. Mm -hmm. Of course, I'm not calm. I'm really like very angry. So when I start saying that uh, either aloud or if the situation doesn't warrant, I would start saying it mentally, but it might start something like, I am calm, I am poised. 
I am calm. I am poised. I am calm. I am poised. I am calm. I am poised. I am calm. I am poised. I am calm. I am poised. I am calm. I am poised. I am calm. I am poised. I am calm. I am poised. I am calm. I am poised. And then I just become silent because I'm now filled with a lot more calmness than when I started. Mm-hmm. Almost like uh, my mind wants to make true what I'm saying. So that's the power of words. Well, I think that that is very powerful. You know, I don't believe that affirmations are magic by any means. And sometimes we read in the literature because people know we want magic, that affirmations are going to change your life. But they will in the way that you just described, which is saying, I'm going to, I'm going to take control over what I have control over. That's me. And what's going on within my mind. And that going on within my mind is affecting my body. So I have that opportunity to take that kind of control. So just as you were doing that, I thought, well, if we did that, by the time we responded, the other person would be shocked because it took us that long to say those things to come <laughs> to, our, to our quiet place within ourselves. And that's not a bad thing at all because when we get reactive, as you mentioned, you know, what I say about that is when you blurt, you hurt. And <laughs> so, so when, when you just take a little moment, a long time ago, um, I was the director of the Indian op- an Indian opera in Canada. That would be a Canadian Indian opera. Um, and it was for the First Nations people. And as part of the preparation for helping the elders sing their songs in the opera, I was working with a medicine man. And he told me, I said, you know, why I I used to teach a lot of children and many of them were from First Nations. And I said, they don't, they don't answer me when I speak to them right away. And he said, ah, well, this is traditional. He said, what we're taught and people who follow the traditions is when someone says something to you, you let them finish. Then you repeat it in your mind what they said so that you were listening now you repeat it, and then you formulate your response. So it's similar to what you were suggesting, which is take a moment. Okay, was I really listening? What did they really say? So you stay attentive, but now you're deciding what you're going to do with it, and you take the time to do that. And many people are just like, bam, 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 we've got to have an answer, we've got to be defensive, we've got to be on top of it. <laughs> so let's talk about some of the things that you had in that brief introduction and then move on to more meditative practices and understand how this flow goes. So many people have the understanding that yoga is asana practice. It's simply going to a fitness center and going, going through the motions. <laughs> which is really a good thing to do for two reasons. First of all, you're going to lengthen and strengthen and stimulate bone growth. And you're going to do all kinds of good things for the organs in your body. The second thing is that it's going to give you a tool to become calm. Many times, depending on whom I'm working with, and I have clients worldwide, 
if they have ever been to a yoga class and they're working on their relationships, I will remind them to do Shavasana daily. If you don't do anything else, work with your Shavasana practice. And Shavasana, for those of us who are listening, maybe Shanti, you want to describe what that is. Okay, so it is uh, Shava Asanam. So Shava in, uh, in, in the Sanskritam, that is in the Sanskrit language, which is called Sanskritam in that language. So Shava means dead body. So Shava Asanam is a dead man's posture or corpse posture. And of course, it's called so for a few reasons. So one is you, your body completely lies down, not moving at all, like a dead body. And uh, the second thing is that being in that position, like a dead man has nothing to worry. He's not worried about tomorrow's bills or, uh, you know, how to fix, uh, how to manage that appointment that I have and how to, none of the worries or thoughts are there in his mind. So similarly, being in that posture, we also completely empty the mind with nothing to worry about, not about tomorrow, not about evening, but just being in that pose in that moment and, uh, and going deep into every part and allowing every physical part, uh, the part of the physical body to become relaxed and calm and also the mind to empty out and calm. So because we are trying to imitate the, the dead man's position, both physically and mentally, it's called so. Beautiful. And so here, here's the step that I take it to. And I think it re relates directly to what you were just saying earlier, is that when someone is very unhappy, someone is very tense, something is anxiety producing, we want to do what we can do, what we can contribute to our own well-being. So to be able to lie down and completely give yourself over to the floor, and that's the way I like to teach it. Like I ask people, do you trust the floor? Do you think the floor will collapse? No. Do you think you're going to fall through the floor? No. Okay, so you completely trust the floor. Yes. All right, then you completely trust the floor to hold you up. Yes. All right, now I want you to melt into the floor because you completely trust it. You can rely on it. And so that allows people to do the letting go, to check, you know, are the back of my knees relaxed, are my eyes relaxed, are my cheeks relaxed, anywhere that we would carry tension, now I can give it over to the floor. And then for people who are on a spiritual quest, I say to them, well, this is a metaphor for your spiritual practice. You know, do you trust? Do you trust in your, your spiritual beliefs? So on the practical level, if we're running around like a crazy person <laughs> or we're, we're anxious and we can't sleep or any of this, just knowing that one yoga posture, Shavasana, will allow you to take some control over your body. So let's talk a moment about the addition of working with the breath to that. How does working with the breath allow someone to, again, take control over their physiology, what's going on in their body. So, of course, one thing is doing, doing the breath along with the posture, but other thing is just focusing on the breath, not doing any posture, just sitting in one place and just focusing on the breath. 
In fact, I give a lot of emphasis on the breath. And I, I tell them that if you have only two minutes in a day, then spend it on working on your breath rather than on doing a yoga pose. Yes. Um, if, if that is all the time you have, then between the two, work on the breath. Because breath, uh, when, you, when you focus on that, of course, it works on the body. It works on the mind, works on the brain. It connects you to your inner being. It gets you to the present. A lot of things it can do. So if there is time crunch, even if you have 30 seconds, you can work on your breath. So the, the way the magic of the breath is that a lot of uh, unrest in the mind and the disturbance and all the negative thoughts that happen, they're all because we are not able to stay in the present. The mind is running to the past. It's running to the future. So anxiety and fear of the future or regrets and guilt and depressed feelings of the past. So these are all the disturbances that, uh, that come and take away the peace and the joy. So breath is something that's happening right now in the moment. So when we focus on the breath, it's always like we are in the moment, in the moment, in the moment. And when the mind is trained to stay like that in the moment, um, so it's just a training of the mind. So even when sometimes we want to think of the past and suddenly sad feelings start coming, your mind is trained, so it quickly comes back to the present. So this way, even in relationships, in arguments, a lot of the past comes into play. Like you said this, I know last year, this is what you did, even before that. So we really bring a lot of the past into the present um, because we just couldn't let go of those. They are bothering us and... Uh, of course, on a deeper level, maybe we never resolved it with the person. We never took the time to communicate and sort it out. So it is bothering. But apart from that, even if we never get a chance to sort out things, we still should be the smart gatekeeper and, and say that, but these thoughts are disturbing my inner peace. I don't want, I'm, I'm willing to let go, like you were saying, just willing to let go. So yes. Yeah. And we're not talking about denial, anybody who might be listening here. Exactly. Um, yeah. we're, we're saying use the tools that you have to be in the best shape possible emotionally in, in this conversation so that you're not denying that, oh, I don't feel good about that or there's pain from the past or whatever. It's just who do I want to be in this moment? How do I want to be in the moment? How can I get there quickly? And learning to relax the body is a good thing and the breath will help you do that. I often say that taking a deep breath in through your nose very deeply and letting it out through your mouth very completely is the most luxurious, least expensive vacation on earth. <laughs> because it allows you to uh, reoxygenate your system, get rid of carbon dioxide, and you do get your shoulders down from your earlobes, even with one good deep breath. So imagine what could happen if you took five or six. So I appreciate what you're saying, because this is called pranayam in, in yoga practice. And you can do it as a practice entirely by itself. There are many kinds of breathing. When I was first told that I had lung issues, immediately my thought was, oh, back to the pranayama. You know, I can do this. I can do different kinds of breathing. I can expand my lungs. I can clarify this system. And it's important for us to know that we have 
a lot of things in our toolbox that are available to put in there <laughs> that right, can help yeah. us heal, right? But if we don't know that, then this is a good day to learn what yoga could do for you. And remember, yoga is not the asana only. It's not the pranayama. It is the eight paths of Raja Yoga, eight different things that you can pay attention to. So maybe it's meditation. You know, maybe that's where you need to have, have your attention in addition. You know, I certainly believe that um, no matter what you're doing, if you're calming yourself, you are engaged in some kind of thing that is aligned with a yoga practice. So you talk about being able to solve things in two minutes in a day. So why don't you talk a bit about why you chose two minutes, aside from the fact that we live in a world where everybody wants everything immediately. <laughs> because in the <clears throat> traditional way, um, see, if you're doing, let's say, just the postures, uh, every posture is an independent unit, and doing it takes under two minutes. Sometimes uh, if it's, only a uni side, like a one, there is no two sides to it, then it may take just a minute, um, a minute and a quarter. If there are two sides you have to do, then it's like two minutes. So most of them really, even taking just one simple uh, posture, you we can do it in just under two minutes. So in fact, I tell my uh, students that in the whole day, if you never got a chance to do anything, then at least before dinner, you just ask yourself, did I do one practice a day? Did I do one thing? Because doing one thing will take under two minutes. And I said, even if your dinner is served and it is there, it's okay. That dinner can wait for two minutes. Do something before you eat. So you, are, you have done something. And even the two minutes, that quality two minutes is really good enough to at least you know, stretch some muscles of yours, yes. uh, whether it's a straight thing, it's this, or, you know, it's like bending to the side. It doesn't matter whatever it is. It's stretched a little bit, but in the two minutes, you also focused on your breath. You brought yourself to the center, to your own inner being. So that two minutes was a quality two minutes, and it definitely brought something good to you rather than somehow spending the two minutes. I so love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's you know, that that's such good advice for this this time in the world. Because people are rushing all the time. They're too busy, too busy, too busy. So when you give them some wise advice like that, okay, just ask yourself before dinner, have I done something for my body or my mind? And let me give myself two minutes. You know, two minutes is the amount of time that your electric toothbrush works. <laughs> now, now, for some of us, we think that that's an eternity. Like, when is this thing going to be finished? But two minutes spent just in a in a moment of uh, consciousness, saying, "Okay, well, I do have tension in my shoulders. Maybe I'll do something. Maybe I'll stand in tree pose or mountain pose or do something that's going to bring me some peace and give me some stretch." Or in other times, too, like before you have to do something and maybe you're feeling a little anxiety, you know, you can do a posture like tree pose or even warrior where you are going to focus on being still 
where you're going to focus on lengthening and stretching. You're going to focus on that groundedness that can help you. These are the things that yoga can help you with. So if you think, okay, that's something you do for physical fitness, I hope today that by having Shanti Yogini here that you're beginning to see, no, this is really practical stuff. It can change my relationships. It can change my health. It can change my life. And I don't have to have big trappings, you know. One of the books that I wrote with my partner is called Soul Solitude, Taking Time for Our Souls to Catch Up. And I've studied meditation in many parts of the world. And there's always something fancy, you know, like, oh, you should have your hands in this mudra, your feet here, your legs here. You should have a candle. You shouldn't have a candle. You should have music. You shouldn't have music. You should chant. <laughs> you know, you should know Sanskrit. You don't need, you know, there's always this. So when we wrote Soul Solitude, I sent it to my editor, who happens to be my daughter. She's a professional editor, oh. so she always reads my books, and she's always wow. really quick to come back, and she didn't. So I said, you know, I waited three, four days, and I said, so what's up? Don't you like the book? What's going on? She said, I'm angry. I said, why are you angry? And she said, um, because of page 111. And I, you know, here's the book. <laughs> so, so I said, whatever is on page 111. So I opened it up and it looks like this. Here's page 111. <laughs> and it says, there is no drama in soul solitude. You cannot fail. There is no technique. And I said, well, why does that make you angry? And she said, because you blew my cover. I thought I just didn't know how to meditate. So I didn't have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's important these things to realize that this is not like you have to jump in the deep end and, and do a practice every day to get benefit from yoga you don't have to go to class all the time no 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 yeah. you need you need to understand this is your practice and you can learn things of course go to class learn things but then learn what they're good for learn how to use them so tell people how you help them learn that so I don't do group classes. I stopped them quite some time back. And uh, the way I teach is, even if someone comes to me for just an hour, I teach them from the fundamentals, from basics, whatever they learn. And of course, learning to breathe right is the first thing they learn. Not many different kinds of breathing practices, but I've noticed that a lot of people who come, they are not even breathing right in, in the... I mean, their abdominal movement is just the opposite of what it's supposed to be. So they learn, um, you know, they learn to observe how it's going and whether it's right. And I make them explain. So that is something they learn. And a few very simple practices. And but they learn from fundamentals like they should not be confused about what is what should not be done, what should be done, uh, how should the breathing be in any practice. So once they get the fundamentals really nailed in, and I tell them, even if you know just three or four very simple poses that you can sit down and do, you don't even need to balance mm -hmm. on one foot or need to be super flexible because it's always, even with a very simple pose, you can travel multiple journeys because it's doing something to your body, but at the same time, it's doing to your mind, it's doing to your brain. It's also therapeutically healing you from some other ailment and it is uh, spiritually and even in relationships, how it's helping. So we, we go through all the different layers. So they have a 
very good understanding of that very simple pose that when they do it they, all the things come to their mind how all this pose can help me so that way whether it's a pose whether it is two minute meditation is what i teach them like not big things but in two minutes how they can visualize a complete relaxation even just sitting down sitting straight and you know starting from head to foot and uh, so these kind of very simple things and just your basic understanding of what yoga is so even in one hour they have now a solid understanding to do at least a 10 minute practice of their own independently so so this is the way uh, that they don't have to really be having a schedule going to classes because even in classes you know it is almost like you go there and you copy whatever is being done it's not that you are being taught from the basic so i am not even recommending that but if they can learn even something very simple things but learn it very thoroughly this is something that they should incorporate in their own life like yoga is something that is meant for incorporating in one's life and to help us in situations as and when they arise so if i'm tensed right now something in yoga should come and help me maybe i'm not in a position to actually do a pose maybe i'm standing in front of my boss and i am really angry and uh, i have to respond now so rather than the long affirmation i was telling before even taking 10 seconds to do three deep breaths just maybe you can close the eyes and do three times and he might be wondering what is she doing <laughs> like you were saying before but it doesn't matter 10 seconds that person can wait for your response and in the 10 seconds of just taking three or four deep breaths what we respond will be completely different from what we would have done 10 seconds earlier you know i i just want to add something there you don't even need to close your eyes do you know that you can do it while you're speaking and i'm not saying this to you shanti i'm saying this to everybody <laughs> you can take a deep breath in through your nose hold it and exhale through your mouth while you're speaking <laughs> you can get the same effect you know you can do that on purpose while they're speaking you inhale deeply and hold your breath while you're speaking you exhale and you can keep yourself in that loop very beautifully when you begin to feel anxiety or tension or maybe anger So these are really valuable things. I want everybody to know I'm speaking with Shanti Yogini. You can find her at yogaforhappiness.com and get that yogaforhappiness.com. There's two things that you need, the yoga and the happiness. So they go together. <laughs> Would you tell people about your free gift for them, please, Shanti? Um, yes. So I have written this book called uh, Happiness: The Key to Success. 12 meditation steps to uncover your joy healing and success so this is now like a four series book because uh, it started with something really big so i've split them into four parts and the first part i really encourage them to download the first part they can either go to the website that you mentioned yogaforhappiness.com or they can go to the website by the name of the book itself happiness the key to success.com and uh, the key to success so it's t o happiness the key to success.com and they can download that book and uh, they can gain a lot of understanding about what really yoga is and how meditation is the last part of yoga so it is part of yoga itself 
it's not that meditation and yoga are different and right. how the various aspects of yoga are all preparing the mind so even when we do postures or breath they are all preparing us to that final stage of meditation so when the body and mind are so well prepared when we sit for meditation even 2 minutes of meditation can really you know get us to a very good inner state um it's like a quick charge for yourself and it will keep you charged for the rest of the day so it's that powerful and uh, so that is why it came up also with a 2 minutes thing because you can if you really totally focus and make it a quality 2 minutes um and of course if you can snatch many more 2 minutes in a day that's great but if not at least 2 minutes um so that is my free gift that they can download the book and uh, gain a lot of understanding um Yes. Yes. That's great. And certainly take advantage of Shanti's offer. The offer is in the show notes, so you don't have to go worrying if you're driving in your car or listening on your phone right now. Uh you can just go to the show notes and find the link to Shanti's gift. Thank you so much for being with me today. It's been a pleasure to talk about one of my favorite things, a very <laughs> long-standing thing in my life. and uh, people can really increase their level of calmness uh, by knowing these things so thank you so much thanks a lot dr shailer for allowing me to share what little i know of your favorite subject <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much my guest today has been shanti yogini of yogaforhappiness.com you'll find much wisdom there do look in the show notes for her free gift and if yoga has been something that you have experienced before think a little bit more today about how could i actually apply that as opposed to something i have to do i'm supposed to do my yoga practice no think about how can i take the little pieces and have them be such an enrichment of my life it's so fun to talk about one of my favorite subjects thank you again and uh, everybody If I can help you, you know you'll find me at forrelationshiphelp.com. You'll find uh Shanti at yogaforhappiness.com. Stay well, take care, and talk soon. Thanks for being here for today's episode of Emotional Savvy. If you want to deepen your emotional savvy, make shifts in your relationships and enjoy life and relationships more, Work with me, Dr. Roberta Shaler. Get my books, enjoy my courses, or work with me directly. You can do that by visiting forrelationshiphelp.com, F-O-R, relationship, H-E-L-P.com, and subscribe to Tips for Relationships now. Don't miss a thing. Be empowered this week with more emotional savvy. Emotional Savvy.